Hey everyone, welcome to Self Love Lounge. I'm your host, Arena Antoine, and we're talking about all things everything in the light of you and I unlocking our history and embracing our chemistry together. This is the place for all empowered women, all levels, to empower others. Looking forward and getting into another episode with you guys. All right, what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Our next guest is someone who just graduated from UBC. She majored in sociology and minor in law and society. She hopes to go to law school and practice criminal law and focus on feminist legal rights in theory. Her experience with eating disorder recovery has shaped her entire world. Blogging and utilizing social media has played a major role in her recovery. She is currently working on promoting self-love as well through her YouTube channel, blog, and website that's currently being set up. She wants to offer accessible resource tips and support for all women. Imran, welcome to Self-Love Lounge. Hi, Imran. I am so excited in getting into another episode with you. I don't know if you noticed, but we've been following each other for quite some time. And even though we've never met officially, we've always supported each other through social media. Honestly, just you saying that you've been following me for a long time and that we notice each other, I vibe with that completely because I feel like I'm like that with so many people. And when you reached out to me, it was almost too flattering because I notice you, you know, I do recognize you, but we've never talked. And I think that's the crazy thing about social media now is that you feel like you know people, but it does really take a lot of confidence to reach out to somebody. And I just felt so flattered, honestly. That makes me really happy to hear. But also, I feel like People, we all follow each other, but no one takes that extra step to have a conversation or congratulate someone on their accomplishment, whether it's a YouTube channel or a podcast or even asking someone to be on a podcast episode like we did to each other. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I also feel like as women, it's just so beautiful when somebody reaches out and acknowledges what you are doing especially online because it's so oversaturated. I feel like anything that I'm blogging or putting out on YouTube, I'm still very small. I literally don't even have 200 subscribers yet. So the fact that you noticed me even made me feel really liberated. So thanks for that. That actually means a lot to me because being vulnerable is never easy. And I ask this question a lot, but who are you as a woman? Honestly, I that is such a difficult question, but at the same time, I'm happy hearing it now. But I feel like maybe two years ago or even a year ago, it would have been like a targeting question for me. Mm-hmm. And that just shows how much I've grown. But I don't think I have the answer just yet. I'm honestly still finding myself. But I think people are seeing me being super overt over social media and they think they know who I am, but I'm figuring it out myself. So this is just me telling everybody that you don't need to know who you are. And me as a woman right now is really trying to stand for what I believe in, but also trying to figure out what I believe in. I know that's very deep, Yeah. this podcast I feel like is going to help a lot of people with that. 
I really hope so because I want my podcast to be about starting conversations that makes you uncomfortable comfortable because I feel like that's how women and people grow as as people that are trying to be a better version of themselves and or to reach your higher self but I know that we've been messaging each other on social media about body image and what was your struggles or what was your journey with body image Yeah, I mean, it really resonated with me in your introduction to this podcast and how in different stages of life, different things change meaning. Mm -hmm. So for me, I feel like all of the stages in my life that I was thrown into, I constantly looked for a support system. So growing up, I was really into sports, really into basketball. But in a way, I let that cushion me and also let that define me. So I didn't really reach out past the basketball realm. I thought that I was confined to be a basketball player. So I never really tried to wear a dress. I never really tried to put on makeup until maybe grade 12. And it was uncomfortable for me because I was essentially looking at myself through what other people were seeing me as and the box that people put me in. And I feel like that box changed so much when I went into university. Mm -hmm. And university was like throwing me into a wildfire because I got this chance to redefine myself, but I also kind of lost the definition of me, which was basketball. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I was very tough for being this kind of a jock of a girl, but I was actually confined into a box. And it wasn't until I redefined myself, which I'm still doing, Mm -hmm. that I grew, but I also there was a lot of points that made me weaker. Right. What was the age where you realized that your body was changing and that was uncomfortable? Because I remember when I was in grade six, we were going on a field trip and I remember I had to go and buy a bikini for the first time. So I went with my mom to Blue Notes and bought this blue bikini, not really memorable because... It was not that cute, but I just remember wearing it on that field trip and feeling so uncomfortable because other girls were wearing shorts and a tank top because they were uncomfortable with their bodies and the way it grew, the way that their body was growing, you know, and nobody really talked about it, but I remember just putting a tank top and shorts as well because I felt really, I guess, uncomfortable with something that I didn't even understand, I guess. So what was that like for you? For me, I grew up in a very small town. I don't think you know this about me, but it was quite quaint. It was actually smaller than the population of my high school. So when I came, yeah, so when I came out here, I was kind of intimidated by the city girl aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see myself as wearing the nicest clothes or, you know, having the nicest makeup. So it also made me scared to try Mm -hmm. because I would think that it looked like I was trying to be something I wasn't. So I really latched onto basketball. But I really want to talk about how it is when you start really looking at your body as an object in a way. Yeah. I think when I joined university, it was that huge talk, and I'm sure you can relate to this, of the freshman 15. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you just Exactly. And as women, we constantly compare ourselves to each other. And mm-hmm. I was kind of trying to live up to other girls when they were saying, 
oh my God, I'm doing this. So I don't get the freshman 15. I'm doing this. So I don't. And it was like this huge monster. And I was like, okay, she's scared. And I looked at other girls, like they were so beautiful. So I'm like, if this Mm -hmm. beautiful girl, this beautiful woman is so scared, I should be too. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of like that constant comparing yourself, yeah, which isn't liberating. And like, I'm sure that you have experienced that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we live in a society where the goal is to compare and contrast in order to rise above. And I feel like society created this narrative that we need to compare in order to rise above. And there's this other narrative where it's like, you have to be cruel to rule. And that was played for so long. And, you know, sometimes you can get lost within that because you don't know who you are and you don't know who you should be, but other people are looking into your life and judging it based on what they see, what you are allowing them to see. So I feel like I definitely got lost within that mindset because how can you not when that's constantly played over and over and over again? But I think once I started to really work within and go to therapy and really heal and get to know myself and what I like about myself, I feel like I started to practice this saying that I always tell myself is that you are everything you need and that is enough. So what was something for you that you practice? Exactly. I just want to say it's so beautiful that you said that, that you can acknowledge that what you have is all that you need. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think it was when I finally joined a support system that wanted to see me succeed. Mm -hmm. And for that, that was joining my sorority. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people think of it as a superficial aspect. And for me, I actually broke my own stereotype by joining it because I went from Mm -hmm. basketball player to sorority girl. And that's true. Yeah, it was was quite drastic. And people were questioning me. I was questioning myself. Mm -hmm. But I remember this very vivid moment where I took on a position in my sorority and I was taking on a lot in school. And this is how I was distracting from my eating disorder, something Mm -hmm. that I didn't share with anybody, but I think people were noticing. It was very obvious. And this one of the girls came up to me and she was on the executive board. So me dropping my position would affect her workload drastically. And she came up to me and she said, hey, I don't want to make any accusations or any assumptions, but I think that you need to lessen your workload, not because you're doing too much, but because we care about your mental health. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like a load off my shoulder because I was scared to admit that I was struggling. Right. The fact that somebody in put it in such a nice way and took that load off for me made me feel just loads lighter because I had always been a part of this world that don't let the team down. If you drop your position, people are going to be mad at you. And I think that was one of the first real steps that I took to recovery. I think you just said so much good right now, especially that another woman, you know, helped you to recovery, you know, because she cared about your mental health and your well-being. But as well that you coming on today and sharing your eating disorder so openly and so confidently, I already know that you are in a place where you are healing or even healed because I think it takes so much out of someone to openly putting yourself out there 
where you're sharing your vulnerability, but also taking your power back. For sure. And that's so, that's honestly so lovely of you to say to me, because I, I see you in such a positive light as well. Like every time I see you on Instagram, you're always smiling and I see such a warmth from you, even the picture that you posted today. And I'm like, wow, she looks so happy. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure it took you a lot to get there mm-hmm. because even in a picture, and this is what I've learned from modeling, there's yeah. like that smile where you can tell like she's a little bit in pain in the background, but <laughs> I could tell you were literally <laughs> you were radiating yeah. happiness and that's because of self-love and yeah. it sounds really simple, but it's probably one of the hardest things when you're yeah. a woman is to love yourself. Absolutely. I feel like even that picture that was, you know, had the double chin happening and all of these things, but I was truly so happy of how far I've come where I can accept my body, I can accept who I am as a person with all of my flaws, but also all of my strength as well. And I think one of the biggest reasons why I love your YouTube videos is because it was so raw and so you, and you weren't trying to be anybody else because your first video was like with no makeup on and you were just so funny and so great. And I think that was one of the reasons why I reached out to you in the first place. Thank you so much. Yeah, that means so much. And I've actually had so much support. And that really shows that, you know, your journey to self-love, it does, it does matter who you are supported by. So my sorority, my friends, even you people on the internet, nobody mm-hmm. came at me. And right. that just shows when you love yourself, nobody's going to come at you, but you think they will. You think that people are going to say, oh my God, who does she think she is? You think right. people are going to say she started a YouTube channel. Yeah. Like, she doesn't yeah. even have that many followers. I don't care if I have followers. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I want to share what I am passionate about and what I believe in. So yeah. I think that I'm going to start posting more meaningful content on YouTube. Honestly, you kind of inspired me to do that. I got a real camera the other Yay. day from my dad's <laughs> best friend. And I actually think I'm going to fully broadcast my eating disorder story because it is you very should. long and detailed. Yeah. And I hope that I can do that. I think that this just even doing this today is really going to help me with that. So thank you. You definitely should. You should post a YouTube video about your journey because I know that you will reach out to other women who will feel empowered by your story. But I know that you said that you were in a sorority and that was a big part of your support system into your recovery. What was that experience like? Because I feel like a lot of people look at sororities and frats in a negative light because they don't understand what a sorority is and they kind of compare to movies, which isn't the reality at all. I feel like the past two years, I actually lived with sorority sisters, which helped me a lot with my recovery. Mm -hmm. And they were very aware of it. Um, I just started sharing it on social media maybe a year ago. But even before that, they, they kind of recognized in me that, hey, Imran, you know, a lot of people recover in silence. But I think for you, you need to be very overt about it and posting pictures of your food and Mm-hmm. kind of sharing meal ideas and recipes that was a way of my healing because it was how I kept myself accountable right and they said oh I think that this could be a really good outlet for you and that's why I've been really active on social media because of it but I needed somebody out there to tell me what worked for me right. and I feel like when you're in a sorority and I'm sure that you can also vouch for this mm-hmm. people kind of highlight your strengths and right. try to and try to really strengthen them Mm -hmm. and 
that was a strength of mine. And mine is being very vocal about what yeah. I'm going through because it's also being like, okay, I have to fix it now mm-hmm. because people know and people are there for me. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like every experience that you have in your life, you're always going to take something out of that experience for the good and for the growth of your well-being. I feel like I definitely learned so much in a sorority, especially in terms of women empowerment and, you know, building confidence to take a position or to start a podcast or a YouTube channel. Like these attributes comes from this sense of community or friendships that you build and especially with everything going on in society right now like we're all coming together to make change happen and I feel like we're all connected we're all connected and I think that is one of the most beautiful thing that can come out of society's narrative that is constantly being played day by day. I know. Oh my God. I could actually shed a tear because I'm so proud of everything you just said. <laughs> but I but I also feel like you saying that you just want so much better. It's coming from a place where you know what it's like to not have that. And I feel like when I didn't have that, maybe it was situational. It was before I joined a sorority and it yeah. maybe is the same for you. But uh, the fact that me and you are talking right now and having such an easygoing conversation shows how much we learned from that process and that experience. And I think being open, mm-hmm. I was forced to be open before I joined a sorority. If you even tried to hug me, I, I ran away from any type of affection. And it wasn't, it wasn't because I didn't like affection. It was because my persona was, oh no, I'm too tough. I'm too hard. I'm too, this yeah. is going to make me feel so soft. Mm-hmm. But Again, in a way, exactly. It was that box. And in a way, that box was so deteriorated because this was when I was in the peak of my eating disorder. This is when I didn't know who I was. I feel like I was trying to fix myself. And the only thing I could control was my body, my exercise regimen, what I was putting in my body, what I was eating. And I needed a support system. And I think that that's what woman empowerment is. It's not weak to need a support system. You're strong to admit that. Definitely. This whole podcast is going to be a support system for me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be mine too, honestly. But yeah. um, I love I'm, that you say this box that we're all in. And especially it starts literally in high school when you're stepping mm-hmm. into grade seven and people are going to be like, okay, well, this person is the bitch. And this person is the girl that sleeps with a bunch of guys. And this girl is like, everybody has these boxes that we didn't even want to be in. Yet we're always going to be growing. Like literally the person that I was yesterday is not even the person that I am today because we're constantly like evolving and becoming our own person. Yeah, honestly, screw the box. The box pisses me off. But <laughs> it's it's honestly so easy to be in the box. It's like stereotype threat. Yeah. It's so easy to act like what people think of you. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like that route that everybody takes. And I think, you know, my box was being a basketball player and then all of the people that I graduated high school with who never batted an eye at me probably. And that's just my mind (laughs) saying that, but I became model and sorority girls. So when Mm -hmm. they saw me, they expected me to be bitchy and they expected Mm -hmm. me to think that I was so high on myself. And you know what? I acted like it too, because it was so much easier (laughs) and I was so awkward. I didn't know what to do with myself, where to place myself because Mm -hmm. my box was changing and it made me so uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. I can already like feel how that like may be for other people to perceive you and be like, oh, like she went from like a basketball player kind of tomboy, but like still 
cool to like the sorority girl model blogger youtuber but like all these like things is you so like you don't have to stay in that one box you're gonna evolve and it's I feel like people who like put you in boxes I feel like we've all kind of put other people in boxes just to make sense of of everybody but I feel like it's because want to look within themselves and see like where do I fit in? It's easier to look at somebody else and be like, well, they fit in there and here or wherever. But I feel like that's how I look at it when people are constantly telling me who I am or telling you who you should be. I totally agree with you. And even the other day, I actually connected with another girl in a sorority. She came to my house, which my dad was very careful about with the corona. But I (laughs) told her, I was like, hey, you can come sit in my front room. And she was like, yeah, I really love all the stuff you're posting about cooking. And I'm, I was just looking at her. I'm like, I'm so surprised you drove all the way to my house. It took her about 45 minutes and we never hung out. Uh And I was looking at her and I was like, I think it's because we're so comfortable reaching out, being in sorority and being sorority Mm -hmm. women. Yeah. But she was talking to me and she was like, yeah, so can you tell me about yourself? Like you've been doing so many things (laughs) and like your YouTube channel, this, that. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start. Like I'm actually going crazy. Yeah. But then at the same time, she said, whatever you do, I know you're going to be successful. And, And I actually was like, okay this girl is gonna make me cry she doesn't even know me but she just said the nicest thing and Mm -hmm. in high school could you imagine any girl coming up to you in high school and saying that to you no at all I I don't even think I could do that either because I feel like in high school like especially for girls it's like this really like toxic place to be like I that's where like anxiety happened in high school, you know, like depression happened in a high school where you start liking boys, boys start liking you, but also just like girls comparing each other, like who has the better grades and like, who's going to lose their virginity first? Like who's going to kiss first? And like, I know it's a competition. Yeah, it truly was. And only because we were insecure, you know, yeah, for sure. And I think that you just put it so perfectly because I think that going back to the box that in and out you're always going in and out of that box and Mm -hmm. I feel like we're in limbo sometimes we know that you should love yourself yeah and there's this external factor where it doesn't matter if boys are defining us as pretty not pretty you know Mm -hmm. hot like she dresses this well it doesn't matter because at the end of the day women can destroy each other or we can uplift each other there's nobody that has hurt me more and another woman I bet you no guy can do to me the damage that other women have (laughs) but nobody can fix me like another woman can I love that you say that that was extremely powerful because I do feel that when you're hurt by another woman it is way more impactful and harming than a man can and that is not saying that men don't have a voice and men don't have their own struggles especially when it comes to toxic masculinity but in this in this episode and what we're talking about is more about women struggling to being on a level of confidence but also supporting another woman and also you are who you surround yourself with so when you're on social media that line should go into process because there are millions and millions of people that you can follow but I personally follow people that empower me and that I feel good about myself and the minute that I start to question that I have to unfollow that person. Especially with everything happening over social media in the past few weeks. I know you've Mm -hmm. known it's been very heavy. Yeah. Um, 
I've been very vocal about the Black Lives Matter movement on my social media specifically. And I have, there has been points where I was almost scared to post and I really Mm. kind of reflected on why. And I was like, it's because of what people think and how people are going to react. So I was, I was very careful about the perspective and the narrative that I was sharing yeah. And it really opened myself up to that. But I also realized my engagement and I watched that very closely just because I'm trying to share my voice and my engagement, my followers, they went yeah. tremendously down, but I literally didn't give a shit because I was mm-hmm. like, if you don't want to follow me, you don't like what I have to say, then please unfollow me. Like I respect yeah. you for that. Yeah. You should definitely have that mentality of just not giving a fuck about if somebody follows or unfollows you, especially with everything happening right now and using our voice to make a difference. Because I feel like for the longest time, I didn't feel black enough or I didn't feel brown enough because other people made me feel like I didn't fit in again in these boxes. So for social media to be such a powerful platform for the voice of black people of all black people is so incredibly powerful and the listening should be posting about making a change and also signing all the petitions and doing everything you can to bring change to society yeah and it's up to people like us and just people in general to keep the conversation going like honestly you being half black half brown Either way, you were so beautiful because of it. It's not a disadvantage and it shouldn't be, but it also resonates with me what you're saying because especially in high school, I grew up in White Rock, so it's a lot of predominantly white people. Yeah. And I don't think, I was actually having this discussion with my mom and I was like, I don't think I internalized racism and wanted to be white because I thought white girls were necessarily more beautiful Mm -hmm. I just thought it would be easier and it would be more normal so I feel like I really deviated from the norm and I felt like I was almost in a sense like Mm -hmm. standing out a little bit too much like a sore thumb so that's why I look to my body to sports to working out because that's the only thing that I could control I couldn't control my skin color Looking back at your experience, were you ever called whitewash? Because I know when I was younger or even in high school, I remember having people not looking looking at my color and kind of putting on those glasses where it's colorblind and it would be like, Arena, I feel like you're whitewashed, like you're not even brown. And in my mind, it was so uncomfortable because what did that even mean? Did that mean that being black or being brown is not good. Like white is the right color. And to me, that was so uncomfortable. Did you experience something like that? Whitewashed almost became like a sense of something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going into grade seven, grade eight, those super susceptible times, I remember being like, oh my God, yes, I'm so whitewashed. And like to other people in my family, and they looked at me like, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. Culture is such a beautiful thing. And even when they were listening to Punjabi music or Mm -hmm. going to a wedding, I would literally have such a sour look on my face. Like, oh my God, what are you doing? This is so embarrassing. Oh my God. And then, yeah, until I became friends with a lot of 
more ethnic women and mm-hmm. other Punjabi women, mm-hmm. I started seeing how much fun they were having, what I was missing out on. And I'm not Me saying too. that any cultural is superior, but yeah. if you are born into a culture, you should embrace it because mm-hmm. as w- once you b- embrace it, you're opening yourself up to so many traditions, yeah. so many beautiful outfits. My poor mom was spending so much money on these Indian outfits yes, and I me. wore them. <laughs> I was wearing them with the most sour look on my face. Same. and. Now I literally am like, oh my God, it's wedding season and there's no weddings. I'm so so upset, (laughs) right? But I just became so much happier. And I think you can relate to that Mm -hmm. when I started embracing my culture. And now whitewashed is like, that's an insult to me because why would I want to change the color of my skin? Yeah, absolutely. And especially with everything that you know now, if you could go back and give one piece of advice to your younger self what would that be? Okay, I, this is such a tough question. But the first thing that comes into my mind is don't take things to bed with you. And I don't know how to explain Mm -hmm. that. But it's kind of like, a lot of times, you know, especially when I was struggling with my eating disorder, Mm -hmm. and my identity, I would lay awake in my bed, and I would have so much anxiety. And it was really disheartening for me because I never knew what anxiety was. Mm -hmm, So when I did get it, it would hit me the hardest when I was in bed. And now Mm -hmm. I think about how how harmful that is to your body for you to be literally using the space when you were supposed to be sleeping and giving your body rest to think even more, to dig yourself even deeper. So, you know, all of the... All the things that are happening in the world, anything that society puts on you, when you're in your bed, you are alone and you are safe and that's your place. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing because I lost sleep over a lot of thoughts. Yeah, and I even feel like mental health isn't really talked about in school, really. We talk about prevention, but we don't really talk about how does mental health develop? How do you have anxiety? Why are you experiencing anxiety? What's a panic attack? Nobody really educates us on what that can look like and what it can do to your body. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't know. And in my culture and like in our culture, it's it's not it's not a thing. It's not even stigmatized. Like anxiety doesn't exist. It's not a conversation. Yeah. Depression doesn't exist. You're either just crazy or sad. Mm-hmm. And for me, the scariest thing was when I really in first year, it was when I was transitioning out of playing basketball and really trying to find myself in my body. And what that meant is I actually ended up passing out in my sleep and oh, they had wow. to tear my dorm room down. And I remember being like just the door in my dorm room down. And I remember mm-hmm. being so embarrassed mm-hmm. and my parents being so concerned and asking me, you know, what happened? Why did you pass out? Did you not eat? Did you not do this? And I didn't know how to explain to them that there was this emotion that took over my body. Yeah. And it literally made me pass out in my sleep. Mm-hmm. My mom didn't understand what anxiety was. And my dad didn't. And I do not blame them. They tried so hard to understand. But mm-hmm. how could I understand something that is so hard to pinpoint? I was terrified. Yeah. Definitely. And one thing I want to touch on is body dysmorphia. Because I feel like a lot of girls go through that experience where they look at their body and it's all in their head of how they see themselves. Because I remember when I was so young, I would look at my go-kart and each year I would feel so bad about how it looked. And I felt like I was 
bigger than I actually was, but it was all in my head. And my question is, how can girls overcome that experience? I love that question. I love that you opened up about it. Mm -hmm. And I know that this is kind of a hard thing to say, but I Mm -hmm. feel like in the society that we're growing up in, almost every girl has body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. if they want to acknowledge it or not. And it could be like to a small extent, or I've noticed in other girls, they don't necessarily have eating disorders, but Mm -hmm. they can experience disordered eating, which means sometimes they're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have ate that. Yeah. Or, oh, like I shouldn't have cake. And it's like, do you want it? Mm-hmm. Is that something you want? And like body dysmorphia is such a complicated thing like that. It's like, yeah. you know, even with the podcast, mm-hmm. you think when you're talking, you think your voice sounds a certain way. And then you, when you hear it on a recording, it's it's completely different and you hate it. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. likes their own voice? Yeah. You have to be fully whack to enjoy the sound of your own voice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like the way that you put it is your go-kart in high school. I think that society is coming at you harder and harder every Mm -hmm. year and your perceptions are building up even more and it's Mm -hmm. just like all of this extra external noise so you really have to Mm -hmm. look inside you and yeah also if your body is changing isn't that normal like Mm -hmm. you know food is a part of life and we are inherent human beings so Mm -hmm. in in the winter we need to be more warm and it is actually a response of our body to eat more yeah. So well, how dumb is it to regulate your appetite every point of the year? So yeah. if you're changing, you need to take it as a beautiful thing, not mm-hmm. a negative thing. Like yeah. if for women's bodies being pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. like there's just so many stages. It's almost, it's almost unrealistic to think that your body is going to stay the same all the time. Yeah. I think you just gave me like an epiphany right now. <laughs> like <laughs> I think like I finally understand why every year we would look at our pictures and be like, I was so fat that year. Like Mm -hmm. that was like almost unhealthy, but like every year society's expectation, we're hitting you like harder. Like you said, like it just hits you harder. So I think the solution to that was like self-love. Like it was like a way for you to find self-love. So how are you practicing self-love today? Well, today it's honestly just like how you put it, the way you put it, you know, it sounds so easy, but it is really hard to kind of, you know, allow yourself to eat that cake, allow yourself to take rest and Mm -hmm. really listen to your body. I think for me, just specifically, I need to listen to my body. So whether that's baking, eating, resting, Mm -hmm. working out, channeling my inner passions, trying to use my voice in some kind of way, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that day, it doesn't have to be an overarching thing for the rest of my life. So Mm -hmm. I've really been searching and finding a purpose and like just doing little things like this, like a podcast, like kind of proving to myself things that I wouldn't have done in the past. Like Mm -hmm. that's how I'm practicing self-love because I'm allowed to be in whatever box I want to put myself in. Today it's a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And then tomorrow it'll be YouTube and anything you want because you get to like make that decision. To kind of wrap this up, where can listeners find you on social media or if you have any projects coming in and like where yeah I will I have recently done a rebrand there's a new box for me so I (laughs) have changed my Instagram to life with Imran I've actually been this is my first time talking about it but working on a website where I want to make resources for eating disorder recovery and where to direct yourself and just easy recipes for like healthy everyday foods Mm -hmm. so that's also going to be life with Imran and 
I am working on my eating disorder video. So thank you for pushing me to do that. And that is also going to be on my YouTube channel, which is Mm -hmm. also in my Instagram, Life with Imran. So Mm -hmm. I guess it's just Life with Imran now. Life with Imran. Yes, I love that. I will definitely, well, I think I'm already following you, but I'm going to get everybody to follow you because literally this girl is like amazing. And thank you so much for coming on. I'm so honored that you're my first interviewee and I'm always going to look back. Yeah. I'm always going to look back to this and be like, she was like my first and you never hesitated. You were like on board with this. So like, thank you. Well, I'm I'm honored to take your podcast virginity. You know, this is amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. And now to all the listeners, I'm just curious. What's your story? 